Hey, this is Dave Pryor from Leading Agile Sound Notes. In this episode of the podcast, Leading Agile CTO Matt Van Vliet and I are going to dig into the topic of DevOps. We're going to talk about what it is, how it relates to the Leading Agile model, and how it gets complicated when you try to apply it at scale. Hey, this is Dave Pryor. Welcome to Leading Agile's Sound Notes. Today is going to be all about DevOps, and Matt Van Vliet is here. Matt, thank you for taking time out of your day. No problem. Um, this is my first DevOps interview, so I hope you're going to be patient with me. <laughs> I think my knowledge of DevOps is slim, so I'm hoping that you can kind of help me and the people that are also in that same boat understand it a little better, especially Leading Agile's take on it and how it ties into our model. But before we get into the topic, would you mind giving sort of a quick rundown for the folks so they get to know a little bit about your background and kind of how you come to the topic? Yeah. So in, early in my career, I was a software engineer and had a startup that wrote automated unit testing tools that needed to integrate with DevOps. Then I joined and co-founded Pillar Technology that we grew and scaled and used these practices throughout our consulting studio. Recently, I joined Leading Agile, and we are in the process of building a studio that will help our clients with transformation. And okay. DevOps is a big topic within doing that. Okay, so can you just really quick give like a, an explanation of what the mission of studios is? Because it's, sort of it's sort of a term that doesn't, I mean, like when I first started, I wasn't sure exactly what it was supposed to be. Right. So first, if you understand Leading Agile, Leading Agile helps our clients align their systems and structures with their clients and markets. So making sure that the, the organization is designed to do great things for the customer. The studio is, is going to help from a technology perspective, remove the dependencies and remove the constraints to help clients do that faster. Okay. So I want to just give a quick tease for the other interview that you and Mike did, because for me, one of the things that kind of, I don't know, lit up for me in that, in that conversation was when we talk about transformation, we talk about all the organizational and structural things and all the different work habits and stuff like that. But if these are places that don't even know what continuous integration is, just telling them they need it is not really going to fix the problem. The, your guys are going to come in and help them, support them through this change, right? Correct. So one is understanding what it is and, and what is the right order to do it for your organization, because it's, it's a whole set of things you need to implement. But also... Um, doing DevOps or a lot of these technical practices for organizations with a, a lot of legacy code is the most complicated type of, of implementation. So having people who have been there done that so that you can get there quickly and yeah. accelerate the value you get out the door is something that um, is going to be a big help. Cool. All right. Thank you. Um, so now the really big question um, what is Dev? What is DevOps? Yeah. Well, and the, the actual answer to that question has gotten harder over the last ten years, not easier. Okay. So it, ten years ago, I would have told you that DevOps is development 
um, teams owning their own ops. So they have control over the environment and they can put their software into it. Not that they would um, not need you know, permission and, and authority, but they're responsible for doing that. Um, today, um, I have a little broader definition where I talk about it as development team focused ops automation. So we have op operational automation, like getting a build, getting something into an environment, and it's focused on what the team needs in order to build um, value for the client or for their, for their customer. Okay. Um, the reason I say it's hard, gotten harder over the last 10 years is as people have adopted DevOps, um, there's been a broader and broader definition. If you take some people's definition, it's everything except for writing code. And um, there's new um, things coming down the pike around DevSecOps and DevQAOps, which can be entire podcasts in and of themselves. Yeah. <laughs> but ultimately, ultimately, if you just think about it as, you know, ops automation focused on what teams need in order to get software to production, um, that's, that's the definition we're going to be using today. Okay. So basically, I've written a bunch of code. How do I get it up on a machine where I can look at what it does and see how many other things it breaks? And, how, and ideally, how can I do that instantly instead of tarring it up and leaving it on some, I don't know if people still tar things up or not, but leaving it on some server somewhere for some NetOps person to come and do their thing with it? Right. So if you think about Agile in general, it's all about fast feedback loops. Right. So as soon as I build or write some new code, I want to know, did I break anything that used to work? And make sure that when I say it's done, it's truly done, meaning that I know how to get that code into production. And okay. DevOps you know, is essential to helping get that fast feedback loop. Okay. Now, is there, so I've worked with a lot of teams and they've had continuous integration and all that stuff set up. And I just originally, before I heard about DevOps, assumed that was agile. That was just part of agile. Like where's the line between the two, between the two things exist or is there, is there not one? Um, I, I don't think there's, there's a, a firm line. So if you think of the origins of DevOps, right? I'd say 10 years ago, the term DevOps was coined. But if you go back 20 years, um, kind of when Agile was being, being formed and when um, people were doing extreme programming, um, ultimately extreme programming was about getting faster and better feedback yeah. and removing dependencies. And so when in the extreme programming days, continuous integration um, was a key practice, meaning that every time I changed something, I would integrate it with everyone else's code and I would make sure that I could then build and deploy that. So that okay. was a way to get fast feedback. Um, and then another piece that we were doing back then, you know, before DevOps was even a, a named thing, was we were looking for push button deployment. So instead of giving an operations person a 20-step checklist of how to get software into production, we wanted them to be able to push one button and get it into production. Okay. Um, at one of my early clients, they we created a tool for them called SPU, S-P-U, which stood for Smooth Production Updates. And what it did is basically what a modern DevOps platform would do today where it basically automated the process of all of 
the build and deployment, and you could then spew things into production, which um, the acronym was um, was something we were pr- quite proud of. But in the <laughs> end, um, yeah, in the end, you know, 20 years ago, when people wanted fast feedback, they were doing things that would eventually be coined as DevOps. Okay. So if we drill into what I consider DevOps today and, and kind of in this definition, you know, I'm going to be talking about practices, you know, like source code control, build automation, deployment automation, continuous integration, continuous deployment, and, and maybe as you get more advanced into you know, automating some of the infrastructure as code. Yeah. So those set of tools existed before the term DevOps, but using them all today to have you know, a set of ops automation that's very focused on getting the development team able to get software out to get feedback and create value is, is, is kind of what the DevOps term is referring to these days. Okay. And that's, I guess, a parallel maybe to how the stuff that falls under the Agile umbrella existed before Agile was a thing. Right. Like XP and Scrum and all that. Okay. Right. Um, so for the folks that, who, like people like me, who um, my, my depth of knowledge with DevOps before us getting ready for this interview is basically I read Gene Kim's book. Um, is there a just like is there a specific difference other than what we're talking about here between that earlier version and this? I mean, is it just we're using it in a more broad way now and we're subdividing it into things like DevSecOps and things like that, or is there some other differentiator that people yeah. should be aware of? No, I think that's right. I think there's there's just a lot of drift in the term because it's popular, and you know, some people are doing it for good reasons because. Well, just like I want to um, give great feedback and early feedback on on my builds, I want to do that with my quality. I want to do that with my security. So DevSecOps and DevQAOps and so forth are all things that are coming in. But in the end, um, you know, and the other thing that I think is new is, is helping people understand how to do it at scale, right? Okay. It's one thing to do it for a team of, tw- of five or 20, and it's another thing to do it for 10,000 people. Yeah. Well, it's not, and also it sounds like if I was starting a brand new company, um, I mean, putting this into place would not be that hard if it was like starting from scratch. You just begin this way and you're always going to be this way. But if you're trying to switch to this and you've got thousands and thousands of people in a system that's you know, 20, 30 years old, um, that's going to be very complicated, right? Yeah. So if you're a, if you're a new project, you know, or a new company, um, you know, you ultimately the best time to implement DevOps is from day one because your code is and environments are the least complex they'll ever be, and as your code and environments grow up, your DevOps pipeline will grow up and it'll just grow with you. Not doing DevOps on a greenfield type project is like not using a compiler on a greenfield type project, right? It, it makes no sense to compile it, you know, at the end of the month, and it makes no sense to build it at the end of the month. That said, if you're a large organization and you have, you know, thousands of developers and lots of teams moving to a DevOps um, 
you know, posture is, is something that, that takes um, some time and some thought. Yeah. Okay. So I, thank you. I want to try to draw a little bit of a bridge here to the, some of the leading agile stuff and uh, give sort of a scenario. Um, people leading agile talk all the time about, um, decoupling and encapsulation and things like that. And basically, if you're not familiar with this way of working, when we talk about transformation, we're talking about taking the environment and a lot of the stuff on the back end, we want to make it so that we can interact with pieces discreetly without screwing everything else up. And that's part of what you're talking about, right, Matt? Uh, yes, for sure. Okay. Yeah, what we want to do is, is, is look at, as you're going through a transformation, and you're getting to different levels of maturity and, and seeking different outcomes that you understand how to attach the right set of practices um, that will help you achieve those outcomes. Okay. Yeah, so, so we might come in and say like, look, if you want to start working in this way, the first thing we have to do is get to predictable, predictable state. And we can tell you that, we can teach your teams, we can reorganize your teams, we can work with management, we can do all that stuff. but. As one example, there's a company I work with I, that I teach at that has grown over the past 50 or, 60, 50 or so years and through a lot of merger and acquisition, and it's a financial company. And they have so much technical debt and things are so deeply intertwined that one of the people there told me that they really have no idea what's going to happen until they release the software. Like there's no way for them to test it because everything is so not just tightly coupled, but it's like, you know, when you pull those towels out of the dryer and they're wrapped together and you can't even undo them um, or out of the washing machine, it's kind of like that. They can't even figure out where to start. So the the folks from studios would help them start to figure out how to untangle that ball of yarn, right? Right. So exactly. And, you know, so as a, as a, we're, we're planning a transformation, right? We start to define the end state. Where are we trying to go as a transformation. And that really, you know, starts with two things. We want to understand where you are, and then we want to understand the target, right? Not all teams are um, targeted to be, you know, a dynamic team that's just inventing new things every day and putting it in the marketplace, right? So there's some teams that may need to get to just making, you know, being predictable or making, you know, good bets and, and getting things into the market. And there's some teams that need to be more advanced than that. So what we'll understand is where do you need to go as a team and where are you at? And then, you know, in the leading agile um, terms, we, we, we call each of those levels base camps of where you need to get. And, you know, so your outcome might be you want to be predictable or make better bets or decouple the ecosystem so your teams are more independent or localize investment decisions to where the teams are really aligned to their clients and market or innovating and investing to learn, right? So those are the five different levels um, teams want to get to. And then we take slices of the organization. So a whole set of teams on an expedition to going to one of those base camps. So let's use an example. If you have a team that you know, just is, is forming and you just want them to get predictable, Right, you're you're getting them, and you're just getting them to form teams, getting their backlogs, you know, and, and understanding, and getting them into a basic cadence. Um, you may not do a whole lot of DevOps 
at that point. But especially if the goal is to go to some of these more advanced levels, at a minimum, we want you to start to think about source control because in order to be predictable, you have to know what your source code is. Automating a build or automating a deployment, those are techniques within DevOps that help you start to become predictable. You know, as you're advancing, right, and you go toward making better bets, that means we're, we're gonna be, instead of releasing, let's say twice a year, maybe we wanna release every two weeks or every month or every quarter. If we're doing that, we need to identify and eliminate waste because we're gonna be releasing more often. We need to have a higher value density in our release. We need more of our release to be stuff the user needs and wants and that helps solve business problems and less of it to be overhead. And examples of overhead include manual builds, um, waiting for feedback and things like that. So DevOps at that point, again, if you haven't already gotten source control, build automation, deployment automation in place, you need to start worrying about that. And this is where continuous integration starts to come in, right? Now at these lower levels, these skills may not exist in every team. So you may have the skills and the policies and the tools outside the team room and, and be helping the teams get those things automated. But you know, it's still the practices are starting to come in. And again, the practices are not the goal. The goal is to make better bets. The, the outcome that we need to do in order to do that is to eliminate waste. And these practices are tools that the technical leadership and the product ownership can use in order to say, here's a way when we're doing more releases, we can reduce that overhead. And it's a technique that helps us get there. Okay. So when you started talking about overhead, I started thinking about some of the different practices. And um, this is a bit of a rabbit hole, but I just want to see how you feel about it. With something like test-driven development, that's got overhead. Right. It's going to take you longer to write code, maybe, but you're going to get more solid results on the other end. Is that, am I saying it in a fair way? Yes. Um, but it, it takes longer to write the code the first time. Right. But once people are talented at it, it doesn't take longer to get code into production. Okay. If you Great. remember, the outcome we want is working tested software, right? Yeah. And Again, if, you know, and we can do an entire series on test-driven development. And then, you know, if you're just trying to get predictable, um, you know, you're not going to, and you have a thousand developers moving to test-driven development for a thousand people is not necessarily the step one in that testing <laughs> journey. But, okay. but, but in the end, if you have a experienced team and the goal is to get get working software and not break things that used to work, that approach is going to get you there faster. So what we need to do is, but again, we have to look at the why we do test-driven development, the why we're doing DevOps. And at these right. lower base camps, the why for DevOps is about eliminating waste and, and being predictable. Yeah. Um, and that's where, you know, a lot of these things might be outside the team room. Okay. Now, so that, the, 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 oh, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. I just wanted to, the thing that I wanted to kind of highlight was that if anybody is talking with, with management who looks at things like TDD or pairing or mobbing as too much overhead, we need people, you're supposed to be agile, just put the code, write the code faster. There's some 
maybe front-loaded waste or what appears to be waste that in the long run actually reduces waste because you're producing higher quality product with a team that has a better understanding of what it is. And so it might take longer, like you said, the first time, but any updates, any changes, any modifications as it fits into the rest of the system, everything is more whole. Right. And 70% of, of code that's written changes after the first week it's written um, and before it goes into production. So if you're writing code and it's not getting into production for a month, um, you've written it once and there's probably three weeks worth of time where that code could change. So while it might take longer to write it in the first week, you're saving time on testing and, and, and tracking down defects in those next three weeks. So in the end, um, we're, we're, you got to look at the system and look at these technical practices, the organizational practices, and identify what are the, what are the things that are, that are slowing us down, creating waste, and then how do we eliminate those? Yeah. Okay. Now, as we're going to you know, teams that we need to be more dynamic and, and be able to be more connected to their customer, we start to want to decouple the ecosystem, right? We start to want to not have our team dependent on any other teams within the organization. And that can have architectural implications, that can have process implications, but it also has implications for things like DevOps, because now we want to start to move the ownership and the skills for these things into the team room so that our team isn't dependent on external teams in order to do these things. Okay. And, and you know, so that's kind of what we call Basecamp 3. But then as you get to Basecamp 4, one of the key outcomes is that we want to let teams implement the ability to release on demand so that they can get things into production as needed, right? So these localized investment decisions means that we need these teams to be able to decouple their priorities from the rest of the organization. And um, that's when DevOps is really critical, right? So I, I start to introduce continuous deployment and you can't do continuous deployment if you haven't done source code control, build automation, development, deployment automation and continuous integration, right? So they build on each other. One of the things we find is you can't just start, you know, trying to get continuous deployment in place when you get to Basecamp 4. You need to start to build that maturity as you're becoming predictable and making better bets and decoupling the ecosystem or the lead time to get into this posture is long. So ultimately what we're talking about here is a prioritized roadmap and that each step in the journey has unique business outcomes that it's achieving. So it's not just an investment for the future. It's going to solve a problem today, but also put us on a path to where we need to go. Okay. So I have a bunch of questions now, and they all kind of hinge on one specific thing. I'm going to go back to the previous question, uh, our previous answer for a second. You mentioned the thing about not wanting to try to get a thousand developers to switch over to TDD at once. And before that, you talked about, um, I don't, you didn't use the term, but when we talk about transforming an organization, we talk about vertical slices of, of I don't even know what we're supposed to call it, but I know it's not vertical slices like a user story vertical slice. It's a vertical slice of the organization. Is that a fair way to say it? Right. And we call that an expedition. But ultimately, okay. what we're saying is that you know, we are going to get 
a, a set of teams. We're going to get the the finance structures and the the um, the demand management structures. And we're going to take that slice of the organization and help move it to the next level um, of outcomes. And as you're doing that, um, the the environments and the the technical practices. Um, you know, our, our dependencies that need to be addressed as, uh, along with all the business dependencies. Okay. So, and to me, this is one of the things that when I was listening to the interview between you and Mike, that kind of like set off a light bulb for me was it's not just that we have coaches in there working with, you know, all levels of the organization on the business side. The studios folks are helping to helping the people on the, on the technical side to, I don't know if reform is the right word, but, but enabling them or helping kind of coach them through this is how you pull the ball of yarn apart and turn it into something we can actually use to make stuff with. Right. Because, you know, and it, it, it's easy to tell an organization, well, you should do DevOps, but then, you know, what the hard part is, is, is knowing, well, you know, how do I take, you know, I got to meet the organization where they are, understand where they're at, understand where they want to go and then have a plan where where we can we can get these things into place in in the right priority order and get business value as we're going step by step along the way okay so you're kind of i mean it's a kanban sort of minded approach to this exactly okay um now if we're going to do this the the expeditions I mean, how does a company get started with this? Like, do they just decide, like, we're going to divide the organization up this way? Team one, team two, team three, you're going to, you know, jump off the cliff in order and we're going to put you through this thing. I mean, how does how does a big, how does that financial company I mentioned earlier, how did they get started? Um, you know, so the, the first thing we'll do is is get together and, and and do a workshop to make sure that that everyone is aligned on the goal and what we're trying to achieve, right? Because, you know, ultimately what we're talking about is, is aligning systems and structures with clients and markets. And that, that affects every level of the organization. So we will, we will do that to make sure we have alignment and we understand what we're signing up for. And then we'll do what we call a define the end state where we will look at and say, where are we trying to go and what is the right slice to start with? Um, and as part of that process, we'll identify what is the next stable state we can get to, right? What we don't want to do is set a goal so far out that we're not making incremental um, value um, or we're not achieving incremental value with. So we'll define what's the next stable state to get to and then what are the things we need to do in order to get there. And those things will involve um, you know, the structure, the governance, the metrics, right. It's going to involve the system of delivery around, you know, how do we create backlogs and teams and working tested software and, you know, practices like DevOps and test automation and other things around software craft are, are things that can be used in order to help achieve those outcomes. Okay. So this, I mean, I'm curious about your opinion on this, and I'm not trying to like be all like you know ringing the bell for leading agile, but I don't know of other organizations that are taking an approach where it is we're going to focus on the system. We're also going to focus on these other parts of things around the system, 
like the studios work? I mean, is that a fairly unique thing or are you seeing more and more of that? Is it becoming more common? Um, you know, I, I think it's, it's definitely fairly unique. I think that there's organizations that, that, you know, deal with these things, but having a, a company that has it all in one place yeah. um, is unique. And if you look at leading agile five years ago, we didn't have that. So this is something that, that we're developing because we've seen the need in the market. And, um, you know, ultimately you need to remove, you know, as, as we get more and more success of getting people, you know, into these lower base camps and they need to go to higher base camps, you start to see the technical dependencies elevated as an issue. And we see that as a key area to invest and, um, and, and advise clients on how to get there, not just where they should go, but how do I get there um, in a pragmatic and you know, profitable way? Yeah. Okay. Um, so what if I'm, it, let's say that I'm listening to this podcast and I'm on a development team and I'm like, yeah, this is absolutely spot on. We need to get started with this. Um, we tell teams, you know, organizations all the time, the team should, should be in charge of themselves. They should be able to make the decisions they need to make about how they work and what they have in place. But I don't think I've ever been at a company where if there was a developer on a team who suddenly decided that the best thing for this team was to switch over to continuous integration and TDD and everything else, that they could just decide that the company was going to spend all the money necessary to put the things in place that they needed. Like how, how, where is the ownership boundary for that with respect to the dev team? Ultimately, right. We, you know, it's going to depend on the team. Okay. There's, you know, there's a set of practices um, that, that are, are, that teams can do on their own. And there's a set of practices that are between teams that they're going to need um, support in order to do. So ultimately at what I would coach an individual team on is, you know, work with the people who are setting priority decisions for the team and, and get to the, the value in the problem you're trying to solve. Not that you could never make DevOps or any technical practice the goal. The goal is that we need faster feedback. The goal is that we need to get releases into production more quickly. The goal is that we need a higher value density, right? So we're trying to do those things. And here's a tool in order to get there. There's a lot of things teams can do within their team boundaries that get them moving in the right direction. And I would not wait for the enterprise to figure it out before you have an automated build or before you have continuous integration within your team room. Um, if you're dependent on other teams, you can put um, contract tests in place to protect yourself from other teams, right? So there's a lot of things within the team's control, but then ultimately, what has to happen at all levels is that you have to be explaining these practices in terms of the value they provide and how they help you become uh, more business focused and more and be able to dri drive a higher amount of throughput and, um, and, and organizations will adopt it. But DevOps is a very popular concept right now. And there's a lot of people who have a lot of support for doing it. Yeah. My bigger thing is um, people don't know, you know, what, how to prioritize which practices in what order and, and where to focus. And I think that's something that, um, 
that that the industry needs to get better at. And that's something that we have a pretty strong perspective on. So strong perspective in that we can say this is the order in which you do them or strong perspective in the sense of it depends. Let's look at your organization and figure it out. Um, there's there's a, a, a kind of a default order that we think okay. you should do them in. Of course, everything, um, it, you know, once you hit the ground is different by organization. And, you know, the order is because if you do them in this order, you get value each step of the way. So it's not, um, it's not an arbitrary order. It's an order in which um, as I mature and as I get um, better at this, I get, I get it paying for itself each step of the way and, and I can get higher throughput and higher quality and better feedback, um, you know, you know, along the way. Okay. Um, I got one more sort of team centric question here. Um, when I am teaching classes, I am always talking to the folks in class about how, if you want something, you've got to go to whoever it is, whatever person of authority holds the purse strings and ask them the question in a way that lets that person say yes. So you have to understand how they're measuring value, what things move the needle. And I'm wondering up front, how would somebody on a team qualify the value that this type of approach is going to deliver? Is there some way of saying, you know, statistically we're going to see like this kind of a jump in throughput or quality or something like that, which they can then translate into revenue? Or is it just sort of a, lagging indicator kind of a thing? Um, no, it, it's both. So we have, um, we have a, a f- formal, um, you know, technical, um, you know, assessment that we do that can, can identify these things in a lot of detail. And we do that as part of the define the end state, but at a, at a, a general level, uh, what you're looking for is, is where is the waste that, that reduces our, our value density where is the lag times that increase our cycle time, you know, or you know, uh, you know, the the fee- the amount of time it takes to get a feature out the door, right. and both of those things are quantifiable. If I only if I spend, you, you know, how much you spend on your team, and if only sixty percent of that is going toward features, and we can drive that down to to, to or drive that up to eighty percent of the time being features. There's a value of that, and that value um, compounds because you can do that over time, right? Every release, you get that value. So, spending some time to to get the overhead down, so that as we make more bets and as we have, um, you know, more things going out, there's a higher value density. Um, that's very quantifiable, and um, and you know, as is the lag time and other other metrics. Okay, cool. Um, what is the or is there one specific thing that you, when you talk with folks about DevOps, that is like the most commonly misunderstood thing or the one thing that if you could just snap your fingers, everybody would know this thing about DevOps that they don't know. What is that? Um, you know, I would, I, I think it's, it's the, the why, right? So, you know, a lot of times, you know, especially as it's grown in popularity, the the why has become consistency. The why has become control, or the the why has become efficiency. Which all of those things are important and have their place. But ultimately, 
what we want um, you know, DevOps to be about is faster feedback. So how do I get the team more connected to the users and, and have that be a much more responsive system? And if you keep that focus, um, then you'll make sure that you're, you're implementing the, the most appropriate pieces in the right order. Cool. All right. This was great. Um, what if folks want to get in touch with you with follow-up questions? What's the best way to reach you? Just reach out to me at mattvanvliet at leadingagile.com or just go to our website and there's all kinds of information on the studio and how, you know, how to get a hold of us. All right, cool. Thank you very much. No problem. It's been great. <laughs>